Charles, come on up. He's going to be ministering today. Uh, out of Matthew, and I offered to lead worship, but I never heard back from you. So I guess you let all right. But. So I'm going to continue through the Sermon on the Mount. I, I, I love it. You guys know that's probably one of the, not probably, that is the best message ever preached on earth. Came from Jesus himself, the Word of God become flesh. So we're going to be in our, our, our chapter 5 today. We're going to be commencing at verse 13. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. And we'll get into the scriptures today. Let me get there. I see everyone's back from vacations and stuff. Amen. We had a lot of folks out and about. Praise the Lord. How many of you guys are there? Just say amen. Matthew 5, chapter verse 13. All right. Let's pray together and then we'll get into the word of God. Father, thank you for your word. I thank you that it is good. It is strong, Lord. It's your word. It's powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing asunder, dividing soul and spirit, bone and marrow, the intent, just discerning the intent of our hearts and minds. So speak to us today as the word gets, as we get into your word, may your word get into us. In Jesus' name, amen. Verse 13 says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how will it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Verse 14, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father. Amen. So as we begin to read this, we're coming off of, remember the blessed? Blessed are the mourn, those that mourn. Blessed are those who, who are peacemakers. Remember those? Well, God was talking to us. He was talking to the people, the average folks. He was, he was building, a, 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 I believe, an army of people. Because I, you might say that the Beatitudes or the Sermon on the Mount is like... Um, it's almost like our constitution, but for the kingdom. It's like a constitution. He's like telling them, listen, I'm, I'm calling everyone. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't just the religious folks that he wanted to speak into. Jesus wanted to speak into everyday folks. That's why he was talking to those who mourned, those who were broken, or the word was like destitute or bankrupt spiritually. He was talking to everyday people, you and I. So as everyday people, I believe God was raising uh, his church up, amen, he was beginning to build his church, and, and as I read this, I see that he begins to tell them that you are the salt of the earth, in other words, telling the people that you are that seasoning here on earth, you are that taste here on earth, think about that guys, you ever thought of that, that you are the flavor that is here on earth right now, you are what tastes good, amen, on earth, amen, we should, we should have good taste, that when people see us, they taste and see that the Lord is good. 
We have that savor. We have that flavor. And I, I, I thought about salt, so I began to think about salt. What does salt do? Did you know that salt preserves things? It actually helps preserve things a while longer where they can last. You guys know you are the preservative for this earth. You're the one that can bring preservation to those who are being lost, to those who don't know the Lord. You can bring them life. It also is tasty. Sometimes you got something bland in life, you need to add a little salt to your season, amen? You need a little salt. How's it taste? It needs a little salt, amen? Well, this earth needs a little salt. Same old bland stuff. You know, there's nothing new under heaven. You know that, right, guys? You know, all this stuff, this woke baloney stuff that's going on right now, there's nothing new. That's not new. That's old. That's has been. That's what has been and what has been. But God is calling us to be the salt of the earth, to bring flavor to the earth. Not all that garbage the world is trying to put down our throat nowadays. Amen? We are and should be tasting. Not only does it create taste, but you guys know it also creates thirst. Thirst. You eat something too salty, pretty soon you become like, man, I'm famished. I need something to drink. Somebody give me something to drink. Yeah, it's good, but it's salty. I need something to drink. I need something to quench my thirst. And maybe someone's looking at you today at your workplace saying, why is that person always content and happy? I don't understand how, what it is that, that, that makes them so happy. And they're, and they're wondering, and it's causing thirst in their life. It's causing them to begin to wonder, what is it that that person has? I want that something that he has. And they don't know that you, you're the salt of the earth. And you're creating that thirst. I don't know where, but I heard about this, that they have healing in salt. Some people go to some of these salt caves that are way up, way up in, I don't know, Alaska or something. I'm not sure where. But they go in there for healing. And I believe that you and I are that healing for some folks today. Amen? Because you're the salt of the earth. And Jesus says, I desire that, don't you know that you're the salt of the earth? But if it loses its savor, how shall it be seasoned? If we're just like everybody else, guys, then we're, we don't have no taste. If we go in with the status quo and what everyone else is doing, you won't be noticed and there'll be no flavor in your life. That's why when I see what TV's doing, what people are doing, what they're pushing, what they're putting on commercials, what they're putting to our kids, what they're doing, that's, that's what the enemy wants. That's not what God wants. God wants us to know this word. He wants us to be salt of the earth. Amen. He wants us to be in this word. Amen. We're going to talk a little more about that. It's without its substance, salt is of no value. So the believers are minded to keep seasoning the world. When we're not a savor or a flavor for the world, then we blend in, are not recognized as that zesty, life-giving, thirst-giving, <laughs> preserving person God made you. Amen. That's what happens. And you become, just like everyone else, unrecognizable. Right? Why would we want to blend in anyways? We have a message. You are the light of the world. You know when you turn on a light in a dark house, and God forbid there's, you don't have cockroaches, but if you turn on the light, the roaches scatter. Right? I seen it somewhere. Amen. I, I <laughs> gone. We are the light of the world. I believe God wants us to shine light in darkness as well. Like He wants us to be that brightness that comes into the room and there's something to be said. And then think about it, if the world's in darkness right now, it's it's in darkness. You know what darkness is very symbolic of? 
of ignorance. Ignorance, kind of like groping around. Groping around. The world gropes around until somebody shines a light and they're able to see clearer. You're that light. Maybe somebody needs to hear, yeah, there is life after death. Yes, there's more to this life than living, doing your job, and not dying. There's more to life than just that. There is heaven. There is hell. There is these things. There is eternity. And we, and you become the light to lighten up truth. Because we're living in dark days. Think about it. And this light is what's pointing the way, and the Lord has called us to so do this. Your light brings glory to God. Look what it says. It says, you're the light of the world. A city that is set on a, on a, on a hill cannot be hidden. By the way, guys, you try to, if you try to fly undercover at work and, and not tell anyone you're a Christian, you're, your cover's probably blown anyways. You know, you're not cussing. You're not doing with all the rest of the people. They're probably like, hmm, there's something going on with that guy or girl. I know, I know that person. Right? We don't, we don't put a lamp under a basket. We don't put it, but we put it on a lampstand. Don't ever be ashamed of your testimony. Don't ever be ashamed of who God made you and what he's done for your life. Don't ever be afraid to shine that light to people and let them know what is it that you have that maybe they have never experienced. And as we go on, we're going to talk about something that I believe God wants to do with this church because we're seeing this. He wants us to be the saver. He wants us to be the light. But I really believe what he's doing is he wants to get the people from religion to a relationship with God, something honest, something true that is not just shining forth just because, you know, I'm at church on Sunday, but something that is inside of you that is coming out of you in a regular place, right? It's real. It's genuine. Amen? How many of you guys know you? I could, man, I could probably out-quist the knees, talk anybody in here. Hey, how you doing, brother? Well, I'm blessed with God's best. How are you? Right? I know, I know the language. I know it all. Praise God, brother. You know, I, I know it. I've been in church a long time. I know all the innuendos, the words. But you know, God's searching deeper. He wants that light to shine from within and out. Now we're going to get into a deeper where, where it's like, wow, Jesus, you're, you're calling us out. You know what I mean? You want us to come out of, of darkness. He wants to be the light of the world. Look what it says. It says, let your light so shine before men so they see your good works and glorify your Father. See, it, what happens is when we begin to shine, we begin to bring glory to God. God begins to get the glory. That's what's going on. God's getting the glory. And, and God desires to get the glory. And that's what it's about. And oh, that doesn't happen through stuffy religion. You know that, right? It doesn't happen through stuffy religion. It only happens when we have a thriving, vibrant relationship with Jesus Christ. That's when we begin to shine. That's when our Savior is real. Amen? And I'm not saying, you know, I know people here have wonderful relationship with God. But we should be saying, amen, brother. Hallelujah. Yeah. But maybe there's someone here that's going, ouch. Oof. You know, I'm not so close to God right now. And that's a good thing, man, because that means God's talking to you right now. And he's saying, man, I desire to have more with you than just a religious relationship. I desire to have a relationship with you daily. I desire to be your father and you to be my son, you to be my daughter. I want to I wanna walk with you. I want to talk with you, just like Adam in the garden. I want to walk with you. I want to be with you and speak to you and be your father and you be my son. I want that 
in our relationship. Not a stuffy one hour, one hour a week kind of walk. I want to see you every day. I want to meet with you every day. Come on now. I want to know who you are. I want you to know who I am. I want you to know what I think. I want you to know my heart. I want you to see the things that I see. I want you to see the world as I see it. The love I have for the world. The disdain I have for the sin. The stuff in the world that's not for me and the stuff in the world that is for me. God desires to give that to and walk with his children and love on his children. And I mean, amen? Am I, am I, am I, am I in the right room, amen? Is this the church of God? Is this the church of the living God? Isn't God awesome? Isn't he not alive? Is he not wanting to, to, you know, to know his children? Man, I did this study, Pastor. I, I ain't going to lie to you. I, I'm reading. I'm thinking, well, what part hasn't Pastor done in the, in the Sermon of the Mountain? I'm thinking, oh, the hard parts. Okay. <laughs> I said, okay. Praise the Lord. I'm going to go do this. And I'm all convicted. I'm, you know, I'm reading it. I'm getting convicted. Because how many of you guys know what God does, wants to do through you? He does to you first. He does to you. We read this, and it's convicting. It's, it's doing something. It's saying, man, yes, I want more of you. Yeah, I want you to be the light. Yes, I want you to be that. And it's going to get gooder. Amen. You guys ready? Let's keep going. It's going to get better. But he says in 17, do you think I come to destroy the law or the prophets? I didn't come to destroy, but to fulfill it. And we know this. Jesus didn't come to destroy the law or the prophets. He came to fulfill the law of the prophets. In fact, everything that law had in it that we couldn't do, he actually fulfilled and actually demonstrated and did it. And I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, not one jot or tittle will by no means pass from the law until it's fulfilled. Whoever breaks one of these least commandments and teaches men to do so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever does and teaches them shall be great in the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus is saying, look it, I'm not here to change the law. I'm not here to break it. I'm here to fulfill it. And you've got to understand, uh, at the end of chapter 7, if you read it, last week we were talking about where he said, depart from me, workers of iniquity. They all said something in the end when he finishes his sermon. They, they said they looked at him and they were saying, he speaks as one with authority, not like the rabbis, and not like the other teachers. So there was something different about Jesus that was going on. And the difference was, was he was coming with that authority and he wanted to make sure that the people knew, I'm not changing the gospel message. That's not what's going on here. He was bringing to light the gospel message. He was fulfilling the message. Does that make sense? He, he, he wasn't trying to change it. He was trying to reveal it. You know, I, we go to Bible college and stuff, and they say that the Old Testament is, the New, uh, the New Testament conceals. And they say the New Testament is the Old Testament reveals. Jesus was revealing what it really was, was to live up to the standards, the high standards of God's calling and God's word. So there he is. He's saying, I'm not destroying it. So if you can imagine... Jesus comes on the scene and he's hanging out with the, all the sinners and, and drunks and, and prostitutes. And they're like, hey, what's this guy doing, man? What kind, of, what kind of ministry is he is he running, right? That's not what we're used to. We're used to rabbis with fine linen, fine clothing, right? Fine robes and fine tassels hanging from them and tallits and looking, all, looking real religious. Jesus comes, he's hanging out with some of the prostitutes and some of the people of the day. And he's ministering to them. He's getting down and dirty out there in the in the in the if you would the fields and they're wondering what kind of doctrine is this guy bringing what is this guy teaching that's what's going on they're 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 thinking like, he's no i'm not i'm not here to change the gospel i'm not here to change the word of god 
But in fact, and this is a promise, guys, I say to you, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Not one jot or tittle will be changed at all. Nothing's going to be changed. So you can bank on God's word to be solid in your life. Amen? You can bank on God's word being there for you. But whoever does, but then he says this, whoever breaks one of these least commandments and teaches men to do so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does teach them and he excuse me, and does them, he shall be great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say to you, now listen, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. So if you're an average folk there and you're listening to the message that Jesus is preaching, you're hearing them say, listen, man, I'm calling you to be the salt. I'm calling you to be the light. He goes, hey, man, I'm calling you to do my word. Don't be like the religious folks of the day. That's what he's saying. It leads me to believe that the religious folks of the day were not right with God. Amen. They were not right with God. And what he was saying is this. He's saying, listen, I want you to be even better than those guys. Ouch. What do you mean better? They're, they're, they, look relig- they look awesome, Lord. They're wearing their, you know, their fine clothing. They look awesome. How many of you have ever looked at someone like that and said, man, I don't know, that guy's pretty, pretty spiritual because <laughs> of the way they dress. I was strange. I always say this. I don't know why. But when I was growing up in, the, in, 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 uh, growing up in the church, I, uh, I used to watch TV, and I would see the televangelists. And, man, they dressed so nice. You know, they had their Louis Vuittons, you know. They look so like, man, like, man, I'll never get there. Well, imagine these, this, this group of folks seeing the priest daily, daily at the temples with their awesome robes and looking really nice. And, and they would be in the corners praying. And they'd be praying right there. And they would see them praying. And then Jesus says to them, unless your righteousness exceeds that of, their, of theirs, you're not going to enter the kingdom of heaven. Wow, that's a heavy statement, man. You know, how many of you guys know you are the righteousness of Christ in God? Amen. Yeah, it was a different message, though. It was a different message Jesus was bringing. It wasn't the popular message that was spoken of in that day, where people would cite other rabbis and they'd go on with their business. It was different. It was radical. It was life changing. It was a different message. It was. It was a message that said, hey, the word of God is here and we need to do the word of God. There was an old saying, I, I don't know who said it, but this is an old one. I, you know I read an old commentary when I read this. It was W.C. Fields. Some of you guys know who that is? Anybody? Okay. <laughs> Older gentleman now. Now I got to look for another comic, man. I got I to gotta up my game, right? I got to go, whether it was Kevin Hart was or something like that, right? <laughs> well, one day... W.C. Fields was opening the Bible, and everyone's going like, hey, man, what's, you know, what's going on with you, man? I didn't know you were a religious man. He says, no, I'm not a religious man. He goes, I'm looking for loopholes. I'm looking for loopholes. Jesus, Jesus point blank says, it says there are no loopholes. <laughs> you know, he who does the word, he who does it, he's greatest in the kingdom of God. He who does, doesn't do it is least in the kingdom of God and teaches others. It tells me something else, that the religious people that day were actually teaching how to get around things, not how to do them. Think about that. Because he's not saying this just because. 
he said they're teaching how to get around things and i'm gonna and and honestly as we talked a little bit about culture today that's going on a lot in the church today where people are afraid to talk about issues because of the culture and if it's in the bible we need to talk about it if jesus said it we have to do it amen if Jesus' word declares it, we share it and we preach it. And, and even though culture says, no, no, that's hate, that's unreasonable, that's, uh, what's the word, uh, intolerant in your thinking, you need to take, the culture needs to take that up with God because God's word says it. Amen? They've got to figure that out with God, reconcile that with God. Because don't you think God knows better? Amen? When culture shakes, like, yeah, I know God. Even, even religious people, well, it didn't really mean that at the time they tried to twist the scriptures. Well, they're going to have to stand before God one day, and they're going to have to explain themselves why they taught what they taught, because we're going to be judged for the very words that we teach. Amen. So i rather teach the Bible and seek to live it. Amen. <laughs> I don't feel like, I don't feel like uh, you know, hanging out on a limb there. Amen. Why didn't you teach the whole word of God? Well, I wanted them to feel good. I wanted them to have a good time at church. Did I ask you to do that? Yikes. Anyhow, are you guys still there? Amen. All right. All right. Same gospel that says you can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens you is the same gospel that says don't fornicate. Come on. The same gospel that says if God is for you, who could be against you? Is the same gospel that says you need to forgive your brother. Same gospel that says, and he shall wipe away every tear from their eyes. Same gospel that says, and I shall say, depart from me, you who work iniquity. The gospel, the message of Christ is so, it's not just the good stuff. It's everything we need to, and we got to teach and share it all and embrace it all and get it all because it's good. Heck, I need, I need a good rebuke here and there. Come on. I, I heard you, Pastor. I heard last week, hey, not a, hey, depart from you, workers of iniquity. And I said, oh, man, did I not do worship in your name, God? Did I not preach the gospel in your name, God? And then he says, depart from me. I'm like, whoa, you worker of iniquity, right? That's what I'm saying? We've got to be reminded. I, I, I now understand why Paul said, examine yourself. See if you're in the faith. You know, it's good to do that. Examination is good. Amen. So you have heard of those of days of old. It's getting late, but let's keep going. You have heard of those days of old. You shall not murder. Whoever murders will be in danger of judgment. But I say to you, whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of judgment. Whoever says to his brother, Raka. How many of you guys ever use that on the freeway? Raka. <laughs> That's a new one. Huh? That's a new one. Raka. You know, like, I feel like it, though, right? shall be in danger of counsel. Because, see, whoever says you fool shall be in danger of hellfire. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, there remember remember you have something with your brother or something that has, your brother has something against you. Leave the gift there. Go your way. First be reconciled to your brother. Then come offer your gift. Agree with your adversary quickly while you are on the way. Lest your adversary deliver you to the judge. The judge hand you over to the officer and you'll be thrown in prison. Assuredly, I say to you, you will by no means get out till every, till you have paid the last penny. That's a lot to say that Jesus takes it from an act of murder and begins to focus on the heart. Amen. Because where your heart is, 
eventually there's where your actions are going to be. You know what I'm saying? Like in other words, a thought turns into a, something that becomes a dwelling in your heart, which becomes an action. And Jesus is saying get, we, we need to be a people that get past the outward exterior of uh, being priestly and looking good on the outside to a place where we look good even in the inside. Amen. Where things are going, God's taking place inside of your heart. Amen. God is changing something inside of your heart. And therein is the battle. Amen. And it's no wonder why the scripture says, or, 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 or David says, search me, O God, and know my heart. See if there be any wicked way in me. Right? Remember that? Psalms 139, 23 and 24. See if there's any offensive way. Like, help me, Lord. Proverbs 4.23 says, above all else, guard your heart, because out of it come the issues of, heart, of life. That's what we're, where everything spouts from. So, Lord, help me to guard my heart, you know, because it's hard in our California freeways today. It's hard in my house. You, don't, you haven't grown up in my house, Lord. It's hard at my workplace. You don't know the women I work with. Amen. It's hard over here. There's, there's all sorts of things that go on, amen, in our lives. And, and we need to g- examine and guard our hearts. And the interesting thing about this is that he mentions things like raka because out of the abundance of the heart, last week we learned, the mouth speaks. You can tell a lot where you talk, where you're coming from, a place of anger when your mouth starts to go, right? Oops, why did I say that? Ah, your, the anger comes out. It's the heart. we got to guard it. So when those things start to, the feelings start to come, the emotions start to rage, then we start to say, Lord, I'm giving this to you, Lord. Lord, I'm giving this to you, Lord. Lord, I'm giving this to you. I remember growing up, my pastor said, Eric, you know, if something goes on, man, you just rebuke that thought. And I thought, rebuke the thought. You know, I didn't know rebuke means stop it. You know, means stop it, you know. So I'd sit down there all day. Man, I rebuke that thought in the name of Jesus. And I'm working. I rebuke that thought in the name of Jesus. I rebuke that thought in the name of Jesus. I rebuke that thought. I go in the bathroom. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. I rebuke everything. I re- because I was a problem. I rebuke you. I rebuke it all, right? And I, w- I would walk, you know, and like that, and I told the pastor, I go, damn, pastor, I must have rebuked, rebuked it about a thousand times today, pastor. And I go, it hasn't went away yet. He says, just keep rebuking it. Amen? <laughs> it says, stop. It means stop. It means stop. It means stop it. Like, get away from me. Like, kind of like Jesus saying, get behind me, Satan. Get, you know, thought I'm casting down every high thing that exalts itself. I don't want it to be in my heart. I don't want it to begin uh, that, that anger, that raka, or that, that language, or that or that intensity in my heart to dwell and to begin to see and become an action where I actually lift up that stone and I kill my brother like Cain. I want to get at it before it gets at me. Amen? Because look what happens. Therefore, bring your gift to the altar. Remember your brother when he does something. Like, if you have an issue, Jesus says, look, at this is how we, we're talking from the inside out now. When we have an issue, we deal with it before we come and do our religious work and offering. In other words, if I'm mad at someone, you know, I need to deal with it. That's why we pray. Right when I pull out my drive, I already have to pray, man. I don't know about you guys, but I have to pray right when I leave my car, get, on the, get in my car. We pray, and I say, Lord, give me grace for today, amen. Forgive me, whatever. Before I walk through the door, I pray because it's important to be ready because we're going to bring an offering because what happens is that will hinder your spiritual offering to God. All that stuff inside will hinder what you bring to God because you'll be too worried about thinking about that person and what they did to you. It's no wonder why in verse 23, agree with your adversary quickly while you're on the way, lest your adversary deliver you to the judge, your judge hand you over and you be thrown in prison. I feel like there's a lot of people in prison, amen, because of stuff that has angered them. 
In other words, they come here to worship, we come to worship, but there's always that little thing in the back because you're still angry at that brother, and it, it doesn't free you to worship God. And I, and I believe what God's really saying is, get out of that, give, give it to him, mend it, why? So you can get out of prison. You know, because you're going to look at that person, and guess what? They're not even mad. Don't you hate that? When you're mad at somebody, and you're, ooh, I just hate them. They go by, and you're like, oh, I'm seething, you know. And you, hi, brother, and you smile, that, that fake smile. Or hi, sister. But not in this church, amen. So that was somewhere, another church. <laughs> but you, you, you smile, right? You smile, and you try to be all, oh, how you doing, you know. God bless you, you know, and all that stuff. And you're upset, but you try to be cool about it. You try to keep it real. Try to keep it real. But the truth is, is, and they're all happy. Oh, praise God, all happy. And you're like, oh, I hate it. They're all happy, you know. You know why? Because, unfortunately, we're the ones in prison when we're angry. We're in prison. That's why Jesus said, get your heart. Get it, get it. Get the stuff in there and, and work it. Work it out. Because if you work it out, if things are going to change. You're going to be a salt of the earth. You're going to be the light of the world. You're gonna, your worship's going to be flipped. It's going to look, it's going to be amazing. You're going to be free now to worship. It, it, it changes you. God wants to change us from the inside out. Amen? Are you guys still in there, hanging in there with me? All right. Murder comes from the mind. Murder comes from the seat of the heart. Oh, by the way, I have the definition for raka here. Those of you, I know you want to know what it means, right? It means ninwit, blockhead, numbskull. Okay, bonehead. <laughs> Brainless idiot. We can't say that. Come on, guys. That's not good. And finally, I'm, I, I got one more little section. I'm going to just do it. <laughs> Are you guys all right? All right, let's do it. You have heard that it's been said in those days of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks on a woman and lusts for her has already committed adultery uh, with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out, cast it from you, for it is more profitable that you should, one of your members should perish, then your whole body should be cast into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off, cast it from you. For if it, it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for the whole body to be cast into hell. Jesus, <laughs> you're saying that. Jesus said that. Those are red letters, guys. It's more profitable to get rid of the things that are bugging or messing you up or stumbling us than to go to hell. Wow. I told you I had the tough, one, tough parts. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it's like you... you it, it, it reminds us, and, I, and, I, and I'm reading this, and I'm going, yeah, you know, okay, don't, don't lust. And I'm thinking, well, you know, some people say, well, you already lusted. You might as well go through with it. No, that's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying that, again, that's where it starts. It starts inside, and then it, and, it manifests outward. Because if you're already there, it's only a matter of time where there's always somebody, amen, who's uh, not getting the attention they need at home, or somebody's relationship's messed up. Or something like that, and that kind of, kind of stuff can happen. Amen? But in our culture, we say, oh, no, it's okay to window shop, bro, as long as you don't try on the merchandise. Amen? Right? <laughs> That's our culture. Our culture says, oh, we could just window shop, you know? We could just window shop. There's nothing wrong as long as you don't try on the wedding card. But that's not what Jesus said. Amen? He said, if it's inside and it's going on inside, you need to do what you got to do to get it out. Now, there's been some extreme people in the past who have done dumb things and cut things and cut. I'll tell you, you'd have to cut your heart out in order to be clean. Think about it. It's spiritual. It's symbolic. Christ has given a, a very, uh, what's the word, um, extreme way of handling it so we can understand spiritually how he sees it and how he wants us to approach 
the things that will pull us down like adultery and like sin and like the things that lust that pull against us get extreme with it. There's a story about a pastor, this, this, this young, I don't know why, I've got to change it from young man to young lady or something, right? But well, young man, we'll keep it there. Young man goes to see him and says, Pastor, I, uh, I, I'm struggling, you understand, the lust, I'm just struggling, I'm struggling. He says, yes, I'm fighting, you fighting? Yeah, fasting, I'm doing all this, okay, well, come on then, uh, go ahead, you know, put your shorts on, we're going to go, I'm going to go, we're going to go to the river, go to the river, and he goes, oh, okay, I'm going to get baptized again, oh, praise God, I'll get saved again, and I won't have to worry about it, and I'm going to get saved. I knew it, I'm going to get delivered instantaneously. So the pastor goes over there, gets him, he says, okay, son, and he gets him, and he goes, on, he baptizes him, he goes, holds him down. And he's holding him down. And he's holding him down. And he's holding him down. The guy starts kicking and, and, and clawing at him and, and pushing. And, bah, and he goes, what's wrong with you? And he pushes him away and gets out. And he says, are you crazy? Are you crazy? And he, he got away from his grip. The pastor says, that's how I want you to fight against your sin. That's how I want you to fight against your lust. Just like that. And I thought, wow, that's such a good analogy of how, <laughs> amen, we're, we're, getting, we're doing baptism, sign-ups after church, amen. Pastor's, pastor's going to put the roster, no, I'm just kidding. Oh, Lord, help me. Okay, and if your right hand causes you to sin, it's better and more profitable that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. The extremity, just saying, look, Lord, I'm just going to start, I'm going to start dealing with this. Amen. And I think that's the point, you know, I, you go to AA, you go to these things. Somewhere you got to say, man, I got to deal with it. I got to deal with it. You know, it's here. I, I just been having it um, here instead of dealing with it. God wants us to deal with it. And, I, and I, believe me, I, 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 like I said, I was convicted all week saying, okay, oh, you're going to preach, huh? Okay, you better deal with that, right? Deal with that. And, and that's how it works. And that's, I believe that's our walk. Because we got saved, we're sanctified, we're going to heaven, but we're being sanctified. My spirit got saved. My soul and my flesh is still still struggling sometimes. I'm battling those things daily, right? And this is what we do as our fight the good fight of faith. Amen. Now the worship team come up. We're gonna we're gonna close in the song. You guys receive some stuff today. Amen. There's good stuff, man. I'm telling you, the word is so good. I I wanna what do you call it, Pastor? Life life work? Some life work. Chapter five to seven of Matthew. There's so much more we've missed. We haven't done it all quite, but there's a lot of good stuff there. We're going to have the worship team just close the song, and, and I thought it fit to do like a song that reflects, like how, uh, how maybe we want to, I, I believe I'm in a, full of a church that people want to serve the Lord, that want to do good in Christ. Like, you know, we're, we can't be good, even in our best worship. I get that, but, but yet the Bible says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Amen. So we know that, and I believe there's people here that we all have our struggles, we all have our things daily, and you're fighting that good fight of faith. And I thought we can reflect on the song, maybe just come before the Lord in this closing song, uh, just stay up here, worship. We just want to give it to God. We can give it to God and, and ask the Lord to forgive us or, or maybe strengthen an area, give us what we need for tomorrow, amen? I'm going back into the battlefield tomorrow or, or after church. I'm going to go visit somebody. Give me what I need, Lord, to to be what you call me to be. Uh, I, I don't want to be a religious person and outward. I want somebody from the inside out who's been transformed, amen, who loves the Lord, who knows the Lord. And, and let me just say that I believe that God is here and he wants to touch us wherever we're at. So let's, let's just take this moment to meditate.
worship the Lord. And if you even want to come to the altar, let's, let's do that. Let's do it. Let's do it. There's work to be done. That's fine. Look, I don't have any special powers, but I know somebody who does. Amen? God has power. God has power to save. God has power to deliver. God has power to heal. So sometimes it's an act of faith saying, look, Lord, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be like that woman that steps forward. I'm going to grab the hem of your garment. I'm not going to worry about people. I'm going to deal with my own stuff right now. So if that's you, I want to welcome you where you're at or come up, however you feel best to do it. I'm going to be here too. I'm going to be in the altar. We'll minister if anyone needs any ministry. I'm sure Pastor and myself, my wife and any of the leaders, Pastor uh, Ernie in the back, whoever will help. But we're here. Amen. So let's go ahead and close with this song.